Hey y'all, this is Vera Payam, your podcasting kinky cam girl, talking about sex, ethics, integrity, and navigating life as a kind-hearted sex worker in a cold-blooded 9-to-5 world. And this episode is about getting sober. Ooh. Yeah, this is another episode that um, I also had a really difficult time figuring out how to talk about. Um... Hi, I'm Vera. I'm an alcoholic. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Um so I hesitated talking about this one um because um for several reasons. First of all, who the fuck wants to admit that they're an alcoholic? No one. Nobody wants to admit I have a problem with drugs and alcohol. <sighs> um and secondly, you know, when I made the, and I think the other reason that I, I, I oscillated on when and how and whether to even bring it up is because, um, you know, for anybody who, who is familiar with the process of getting sober, um, whether you yourself have, have gotten sober or whether you know, you know, people who are struggling, um, you know, I don't want to set up any kind of expectation, right? Like, oh shit, I told them that I was sober and now there's like this expectation on me that like, what if I fail? What if I, you know, what if I relapse? You know, like, um, and so I hesitated about, you know, should I talk about this? Should I not? Um, and I, and so I decided to wait until I felt, you know, confident and comfortable in what I was doing, um, before I was going to talk about it. Um, and, um, so I wanted to wait for that. And then, um, and I also wanted to really think about what it was that I had to say about it. So we'll start off with, you know, why did I get sober? What's, what kind of instigated this? And, um, and so you remember in the anxiety, dis- you know, in the, in the episode about anxiety, um, you know, I've always had this anxiety disorder and, you know, one of the ways that, uh, one of the maladaptive coping mechanisms that I had developed for coping with my anxiety was smoking copious amounts of marijuana. <laughs> um, and just like, you know, and just like anything, it worked for a while until it didn't. <sighs> um, and a lot of these things are often easier for us to see in retrospect and they're harder for us to see in the moment. And so what finally, I would say, would finally... Um, you know, spurred me on this path was um, my housemate, actually, my old housemate. And so um, um, at the time he was going to school for, uh, he was going to school for a program in the medical field where he knew that once he got into his program, he was going to have to get sober. And he and I were both big old potheads. We would smoke pot every day, you know, like it was one of our bonding activities. We'd hang out, we'd smoke pot together, you know, make make dinner you know have a meal whatever and and so I remember um for a little while before he he was doing his undergraduate work before he officially got into his program and I remember he would mention it like okay I need to quit smoking pot and so he would kind of you know like you know I'm I'm done I'm not doing it anymore you know and then you know and then he would kind of you know white knuckle it for you know for a couple days or a week and then he'd come out and he'd be smoking pot you know and you know he'd be like fuck you know, and so he went through this cycle for a while and, and I felt bad because, you know, I knew that I wasn't helping. Like, 
I was like, fuck. I was like, I knew that, you know, it's already difficult enough trying to get sober, but then if you have, you know, a roommate who's fucking smoking like a chimney, you know, that's, you know, I'm not, I was not helping, you know? Um, However, I had gotten sober, so, but uh, I did try to, you know, encourage him, you know, and I was like, so I remember he's sitting at the table doing his homework and I'm like smoking the joint and I'm like, well, I'm like, I know I'm one to talk, but you know, I was like, you know, I was sober for a little bit back in college, you know, I was like, I was like, yeah, I remember, you know, I had to, you know, I wanted to see a therapist for my anxiety and they wouldn't let me see a therapist unless I got sober. And I remember I was pissed. I didn't want to fucking do it. I didn't want to fucking do it. I don't have a fucking problem, but I had no choice. It was either get sober or not get help for my anxiety. And so I fucking grinned and bear it. I checked myself into a treatment program and uh, and I stayed sober for about five years. Yeah, for the, for the majority of the time I was in college, I was sober. Um, and then, And then I actually remember the first time I took a drink was actually, so I was in a program for maybe like the first year, year and a half. And then the rest of it was kind of just by habit. I was like, oh, I need this program. I was busy. I was working full-time, going to school full-time. I was volunteering. I was managing nonprofits. I didn't really have time to drink or anything. But I remember when I first took that drink, it was about, it was about five years and I had gone to another country. I'd gone to Israel and I was going to spend a month there. And I remember it was New Year's. I was in Tel Aviv. I was in a new place with new people. And, you know, they're doing the countdown and there was an open bar. And I thought, oh, well, fuck it. It's New Year's, you know? Ah, fuck it. And and I remember that was, from that point, it was just downhill, you know? I was just like, fuck it. <laughs> um, and so anyway, so fast forward. So here I was at my housemate and I was like, oh, you know, I was like, I was sober for a while. I was like, you know, I was like, uh, I was like, you know, I'm not the best person to talk, but, you know, I think you should like get some help. Like, I don't think this is something you could do alone. I was like, I remember when I got sober, you know, I, I went to, you know, I checked myself into a 12 step program, you know, and I, I surrounded myself with people who were doing the same thing, right? I made that part of my routine, you know, I made it something that I did every day. Um, and, and, uh, you know, and my housemate was like, uh, and my housemate was, you know, my housemate was also very anxious. And he was like, oh, yeah, maybe I should do that, you know. Um, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, but, you know, he kept trying to do it his way, you know. And he got some, you know, like a, a couple weeks, maybe a month, you know, but he couldn't sustain it, you know. And, and seeing him try to quit smoking pot, I, I was forced to think about myself. Like, while I'm sitting there smoking, like, fuck, I'm smoking every day multiple times a day, all day long. Like sometimes I'm late to sign on cam because oh, I just gotta smoke a bowl first, you know? I remember, uh, I remember this one time I, I logged on and one of my fans goes, dang girl, you look blown. <sighs> like, and so, you know, just watching him forced me to think, to take a look at myself and to think, dang, maybe I should do that too. I think I have a problem. And, you know, but at the same time, I didn't want to be like, yeah, buddy, let's do it together, you know, because anybody who's, who's familiar with that, knowing that that's not a good idea, 
That's never a good idea to try to get sober with someone else. Getting, I knew at least, and so I, I recalled the, t the time that I did spend sober and I, I reflected on that while I smoked pot in my bathroom. <laughs> and I reflected on that. And, um, and so I knew that, you know, getting sober has to be a personal decision. You've got to want to be there. If you don't want it, it's not going to happen, right? Um, I've definitely, and I know for a fact, I'm a very strong-willed person. I, if I don't want to do something, I ain't going to fucking do it. <laughs> that's just, that's facts. And so, um, but, you know, watching, watching my housemate kind of struggle with this, um, you know, really made me pause and think. And so finally he moved out. Um, he moved, no, it's anything bad. He moved to, you know, he moved to Portland cause that was where he was going to finish his program. And I ended up staying and, um, but that was, but, you know, seeing, you know, helping him pack and, you know, helping him prepare to move and all that. Um, that was really like a splash of cold water. I really had to think, fuck, I need some help. I knew, and I had to really take stock. I had to look and I had to say, you know what, like, I'm signing on, I'm signing on late. I'm not producing content. Uh, I just knew that I wasn't productive. And I had to think too, I remember, you know, I remember when I was in college, working full-time, going to school full-time, volunteering. I remember thinking, damn, you know, like, if only I had the free time, all of these things that I would do, right? I wanna learn another language, you know? I wanna do this, I wanna do that. You know, I wanna learn these skills. Oh, you know, if only I had the time. And here I am, I've got nothing but time and I'm fucking, it's going up in smoke. And I had to take a real honest stock of myself and say, you know what, is this, is this, am I on the right track? Is this helping me or is this hindering me? And I had to admit that I had a problem. <sighs> And I also had to admit that I couldn't do it alone. I could not do it alone. Reflecting on the, the time that I did spend sober, I had to acknowledge that if I was, you know, if I did want to change this thing in my world, that I couldn't do it alone. I needed help. And so that's what I did. And so, you know, as soon as my, my stash ran out, I... I went on Google and I looked up meetings near me <laughs> and boom, 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 a whole list came up. And so, um, and so that's what I did. And, um, and again, I think that when, you know, when we're looking at, at things like, you know, drug and alcohol addiction, I think, I think a lot of what keeps people from doing that is, you know, um, there's a lot of ego and pride. You know, that's not me. I don't have a problem. Oh, those people have a problem. I don't have a problem, right? Um, but I think there's also a lot of guilt and shame, you know, like, fuck, I am one of those people. Fuck, you know, I have a problem, you know? Um, but fortunately for me, again, drawing on the time that I did spend sober, I knew where to go and I knew where the help was, you know? Um, I'd been in those rooms before and I knew that it didn't matter if I was in a different state and I didn't know anyone. I knew that if I walked into those rooms that I would be welcome. I knew that. And so that's what I did. And, um, and it was the best decision that I ever made. It wasn't easy though. It was not easy. Um, I will tell you the first 
three weeks. So I went to different meetings because there's always, you know, wherever you're at, there's different meetings, different locations, different places. And so I remember, um, I remember for the first like three weeks, every meeting I went into, I cried all over this fucking city. Every meeting I went into, I just walked in and I sat down and I just cried. And I just cried. <laughs> um, but I also, I also allowed myself to, to speak and to share and, um, and to listen, you know, and to, and to see my, and to, to listen and to see myself in every person that was speaking, whether it was an, whether it was an old timer, a crusty old white dude, or, you know, whether it was, you know, a middle-aged housewife, you know, I allowed myself to listen and to see myself in all of their stories. <sighs> and, um, and so, you know, I went and, you know, and some meetings were, you know, some meetings I could tell I was making people uncomfortable by how much I was crying. Uh, I knew that I made some people uncomfortable and I didn't care because I was like, you know what? I belong here. I am a person who's struggling and I want help and I want to do better. And, and I knew that even though some people weren't comfortable with my crying, that I was accepted there, that this was a place that I could go, you know, um, brokenness and all that I belonged here just as much as anybody else did, you know, and that as long as I, you know, I kept coming back and I, I put in the work that I would, um, you know, that I would get to where I wanted to go. And, uh, you know, and so it was, it was a really difficult decision to make and it was, you know, really difficult to get myself into that action. Um, but I, it's, it was the best decision that I, I ever made for myself. And I knew I needed to do it because I knew, and I think the having my housemate move out was, I knew that that was really the, that was really the, the final push that I needed because I knew that if I didn't get help, that I was going to run myself into the ground. I was willing to be honest enough with myself to say, you know what, I'm, I've been doing things my way you know, on my own, and it's not fucking working. It's not working. I am not getting the results that I want. And if I want different results, then I need to do something different. I need to make a change. And, you know, and also, you know, having this podcast talking about ethics and integrity, and, you know, if I'm going to be that person that's going to talk the talk, I need to walk the walk. And that means being, that means being able to, you know, I'm, you know, and definitely a lot of the earlier episodes too you can hear, and you can probably still hear, you know, I've definitely got a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, you know, anger at, you know, inequality and, you know, these tilted systems, you know, um, people who lie, cheat and steal, all those things, you know, I get angry, I get frustrated, you know, um, but also the same way that, you know, I can, I can point the finger and I can point and look at all of the things that I don't like about the world. Having integrity means also being able to be honest with myself and look at all of the things of, you know what, maybe I'm also part of the problem. How am I part of the problem? That's part of having integrity and being able to look at those hard truths and say, yeah, you know what, I'm part of the problem too. And if I want other people to change and I want other people to pull their weight and to pull their share, I need to set that example by doing it first. 
I can't expect other people to do what I'm not willing to do. I can't ask other people to put in work if I'm not putting in the work. And so for me, another big part of getting sober is putting in the work, you know? And there's that cheesy saying, be the change, but it's true, you know? Like, um, if we want to see a change in our world, you know, we can bang our head against the wall trying to change other people, or we can change ourselves. And I think that it sounds so simple, you know? It sounds so, like, especially when we think about, you know, all of the big problems in the world, hunger, starvation, you know, racism, poverty, sexism, you know, me too. We think about all of these big problems in the world, um, you know, and it's like, you know, and it seems so simple, but it really is true that changing ourselves has such a huge impact such a huge impact like for instance just my housemate you know even though he was you know struggling and you know you know it was hard for him to even put you know like a few weeks together just watching him put in that work and put in that effort forced me to think because I was like dang shit that's more than I'm doing yeah you know and, I, and it was easy you know it would have been easy for me to look at him and be like he's not even in a program he's not even trying to get help bitch at least he's trying at least he's trying and so that really, really, you know, I have to thank him. You know, that really inspired me to, to put in the work and to, to say, dang, like I need to put in some work, you know? And again, I'm so, so thankful that he did, you know? And so the other way, yeah. And so the other reason I wanted to talk about this is that it relates directly to my integrity. Being able to face hard truths about ourselves you know, one of my big goals of this podcast is I just want people to self-reflect, you know. Um, I definitely have to think about when I first started this podcast, I feel like, uh, you know, had these ideas of I'm going to get people to change and change their minds and, you know, nah, you know, nah. Really, all, all I want is for people to just take a moment, pause and think. You know, just think. Are, are you where you want to be? And, and if not, what are some things, small things that you can change in your world to get there, you know, to be a kinder person, nicer person you know, a better member of your community, whatever that looks like, you know, and the best way to do that isn't to tell people what to do, it's to walk it, it's to do it, to lead by example. And so for me, this is part of what it means for me to be in my integrity. This is what it means for me to, to look at those, those, those hard truths and to put in that work. And I think part of integrity, we say staying in our integrity, part of that is knowing what is not in our integrity, right? And I think that that's also what's, uh, what can be very difficult about, you know, ethics and integrity is that it necessarily means acknowledging our limitations. You know, getting sober means I can't do that. Drinking, smoking pot, maybe other people can do that. I can't do that. That is a limitation for me. I can't do that. I can't. Some people can have just one drink. I can't. Some people can just smoke recreationally. I can't. I cannot. That is a limitation for me. That is outside of my integrity. And personally, I don't view it as a weakness. I see that as a strength. It's a strength to be able to acknowledge where our limitations are, to say, this is what keeps me strong. 
in these parameters, this is what keeps me in my integrity and this is what will keep me productive and healthy and functional is staying in these parameters, staying in my lane. That doesn't mean, you know, not being able to, and, and quite the opposite. I think a lot of people, when they think about, you know, getting sober or something like that, you know, or, you know, things that they need to change, they think about weakness. You know, oh, that's, that's weakness. Like, you know, I'm weaker than other people. And I don't see it as that at all. I see it as like, this is what keeps me strong, that by staying in my lane, that's how I get to my goal, right? Um... And that being honest with myself about what I can and can't do, that this is what keeps me on the path to, to what is going to bring me success. Um, and honestly, I think it's made my life a lot easier, right? Um, because that's one less thing for me to be distracted by. Um, because definitely, you know, um, when I think back to, you know, <laughs> like, you know, my drinking career and my smoking, a lot of my time was wasted literally i was wasted and you know and having to acknowledge that you know i thought oh you know oh you know drinking just makes things better right like oh i'm gonna clean the house i'm gonna spark up a bowl and it's gonna be great you know and you know yeah i smoked a couple bowls but i didn't get that much cleaning done right how much time i spent just wasted not being productive time that i could have been using toward my goals, accomplishing my goals, getting so much more done. And so for me, you know, getting sober is also about finding my strength, right? Um, and, you know, it's definitely not easy. And, you know, and it's not easy, you know, it's not easy to acknowledge these things about ourselves, you know, it's not easy to put in the work and, you know, have to go and, uh, you know, do all the maintenance. Because again, you know, just like I mentioned in the anxiety episode, this is another, this is another thing that I will have to, this is another challenge that I will have for the rest of my life, that I will have to constantly put in work and maintenance around. Um, and, you know, but anything worth doing is not easy. And on the positive side, you know, um, Honestly, you know, and then this is, it gets better and it gets better. You know, if we can push through that work, it's the same things like going to the gym, you know, like at first it really fucking sucks. At first it hurts and you don't want to go and you know, like everything hurts and your body is sore, but the more you do it, the more work you put in, the easier it gets. You start to build momentum and the easier it gets. And all of a sudden it doesn't feel like work anymore. It just becomes part of your life. It just becomes part of of how you function. And once that momentum builds, all of a sudden really good things start to happen. Really good things start to happen. Um, you know, getting sober was the best decision that I ever made for myself because suddenly, so one of the things I worried about too when my housemate moved out is I was like, oh fuck, I gotta make friends now. <laughs> you know, it was easy to just, you know, chat with my, you know, with my friends from California on Facebook and, you know, come home and talk to my housemate, you know, that was, that was easy. But now that my housemate was gone, I was like, oh shit, like I really need to actually go out and make friends. I need to be part of the community, you know? And I talk about that a lot on my cam show, especially for, you know, to a lot of my fans who are kinky, you know, and they're like, oh, you know, how do I have experiences like yours? And I'm like, be part of a community. And, um, you know, but at the same time, you know, I, I wasn't really engaged in my community. 
Um, I was before in California, but I hadn't been engaged in a community since I moved to the Pacific Northwest. And so getting sober was a really great opportunity for me to like, well, I guess I got to find, I'm part of a community now. <laughs> and it was really great, you know, and I, you know, and obviously, you know, not everybody is going to be someone that I want to hang out with, but I've met really, really wonderful people. And it's really funny because, you know, even, you know, um, you know, even, even, uh, you know, in, in the program, there are people from all walks of life, right? I mean, same thing with, you know, like, you know, any kind of disorder. People from all walks of life, um, you know, have the same struggles as you. And so I think on one hand, too, it's very validating to know that you're not alone. Whatever you're struggling with, you're not alone. There are other people out there that are struggling with the same things that you are. Um, and the other thing that's been really great too is that there's other people who are also interested in the same things that you are, that are also passionate about the same things that you are. You know, um, going to these meetings, I found other fire spinners, right? Other people who spin fire, like, oh, cool, you know, let's hang out, let's spin fire together. I've found other artists, other photographers, like, oh, cool, you know, let's hang out and talk about photography and talk about art. I've even met other kinksters, other people who are kinky, other people who are in the adult entertainment industry, right? Um, and that's, and these are all people that I would not have met, that I would not have access to if, if I didn't take that first step to make that change. And that's the thing is that we won't know how good it can be unless we try. We won't know how good it can be unless we push through the difficult part. No matter what endeavor, what change it is you need to make or what it is that you wanna do, there's always a learning curve. The beginning is the hardest part, but you don't get to the good stuff. You don't get to the top of the mountain without putting in the work first. And, you know, and so, and, and so I'm really, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I made this decision and I'm thankful that I reached out for the help that I, I needed. Um, I'm thankful that I, I pushed through and I'm, you know, to, to get past the, the hump of, you know, because um, I think that's the hardest part, I think. I think the hardest part is, is acknowledging when we need help and, and acknowledging that we have a problem, you know. Um, but I think, you know, and, you know, I have good days and bad days. You know, I will say one of the challenging things about getting sober is that now I have to deal with my anxiety sober. And that's a tough one. You know, um, getting into the program is, you know, that was, that was tough. But now learning to live sober, right? Anytime I get stressed out or I get upset, I can't just go smoke a bowl. I can't just go have a beer. You know, I have to actually face my problems. I have to actually develop healthy coping mechanisms um, in order to get through my day, in order to manage. And um, so definitely, you know, it, again, there's, there's, but I think to everything, there's always challenges and benefits, but I will definitely take the challenges of living sober over, you know, the stagnation of, of knowing that I'm wasting my life away. <sighs> And, um, you know, I was really hesitant to talk about this because, like I said earlier, you know, it sets up this like, you know, oh, you know, like what if, you know, what if I relapse? What if I fail? You know, and I just can't think about that. You know, you can't live. Anxiety has definitely taught me that you can't live your life in fear. If you live your life thinking what if, you'll never know. You'll never know unless you actually do it. And, um, and again, and, you know, 
And I think, too, there's also a component of faith. You know, I think um, as an atheist, too, going into a 12-step program, you know, um, I remember having this challenge the first time around is like, I'm atheist, but there's all this talk about God and a higher power, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, and in, in my perspective, you know, when I think about higher power, I think of it from a science perspective. It's like, well, yeah, there's lots of forces that are greater than me, like gravity, <laughs> um, and so for me, I think it's just about being able to humble myself, being able to humble myself and say, you know what, there are things that are greater than me. There are struggles that are bigger than me and that I will need help with. There will be times where I need to reach out for help. And, um, and knowing that help is out there. You know, and, and I think too, you know, especially when we're struggling with, you know, sometimes when we're in the middle of a struggle, you know, it feels like it's never going to end. Are we going to be able to make it? And I think to me, that's where kind of like, I think to some degree in order to have hope, you've got to have some kind of faith. I mean, like I said, I'm an atheist. I'm not terribly religious, you know, um, but, um, but I think that's what hope requires is it requires you to say, you know, I don't have any evidence that it's going to get better. You know, I don't have any proof, but you know, I've, I've got to have something to believe in. I've got to be able to tell myself that if I put in the work, things will get better. And so, um, and so again, you know, I'm just, I'm thankful that I was able to, you know, to push myself to make this decision and to reach out for, for the help that I needed. And I'm really thankful that there's help out there. You know, I'm really thankful that, that there are groups and people and communities that are out there. And I hope that, you know, whatever you're going through, that whatever it is that you find the courage to reach out and find the help that you need, um, And know that whatever you're going through, that it gets better. That if you, if you reach out and that you do the work, whatever you're struggling with, it gets better. Whew. Yeah, that was a big one. So thank you guys. Uh, thank you for, you know, for letting me, for listening. Thank you for letting me share my journey. And if nobody has told you today, I hope they have. But if nobody's told you today, allow me to be the first. I don't know you, but I love you.